see poor sinners round you trembling on the brink of woe. Death is coming, hell is moving, can you bear to let them go? Number 56 this morning in your blue song book. When we all get to heaven, we'll sing all we'll sing first, second, and last verse this morning. Hymn number 56, when we all get to heaven.
Let's remain standing for prayer this morning. Thank you for that song. That was my mama's favorite hymn. So I appreciate you singing that this morning. Let me give you a couple of prayer requests before we pray together. Pray for Brother John David Stone. I put this out uh, yesterday on our call system. Uh, uh, John David was in a car accident yesterday. Uh, up in Roanoke Hospital, but it looks like he's going to be okay. I talked to the father this morning up there at the hospital with him. Uh, thus far, they've not been able to determine that he's got any severe injuries, so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, for a while, they were really worried because he couldn't move uh, his lower extremities, but uh, that seems to be feeling coming back. But pray for him. I shared downstairs in my Sunday school class. I believe that's every parent's worst nightmare when you get a phone call that talks about the car accident of your child. So you pray for the parents as well, if you would. Pray also for Sister Margaret Bocock, one of our shut-ins. Uh, she's back at Stanley, uh, excuse me, back at the uh, Stewart Nursing Home. She'd been in the hospital. Uh, continue to pray also for uh, uh, Sister Nadine Allen's family and the passing of her father. We're glad to see them back today. And then remember my daughter Lydia, if you would. She had all of her wisdom teeth out. Uh, so pray for her. She's a swollen chipmunk today. But uh, pray for her, if you would. In fact, I'll share this with you uh, just to put a smile on your face. Lydia was awarded a very, very prestigious state award. Uh, in fact, one of the most prestigious in our state for community colleges. Unfortunately, she had to be in Richmond today at uh, 2 o'clock in order to receive it. So she kept looking at me. They're on route. And I said, Daddy, should I go? I look awful. I said, Sweetheart, it's paying for your college next year. I don't care if you're in an IV wheelchair and hooked up to drugs. You're going to go get that award. Amen. So, so she's got a pillow swollen up, looking like a chipmunk, and she said, Daddy, I hope you're happy. I said, when you get the check, Daddy's happy. Amen. <laughs> But you pray for them this morning. I sure would appreciate it. Uh, brother, you open us up in prayer. Brother Up Church, pray for us this morning, if you would, please. Fathers, we come before you. We want to thank you for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and your grace that extends to each and every one of us. Thank you for the plan of salvation yes, that uh, even an old wretched sinner like I could come yeah. before you and be yeah. saved eternally. Now, Lord, we come before you and ask you to bless these that are not, um, not able to be here with us today. Bless those, Lord, that are going through extreme difficult times in their lives. May you touch oh, them, bless God them, bless be with them. Lord, bless everything that's said and done here today, the songs, the reading and preaching of your precious word, the prayers that are uplifted. Lord, may you be glorified through it all. And Lord, at the end, we'll give you thanks and glory for all you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Pray for the choirs we sing. Love this song. Uh, Brother Tim does such a good job. Uh, I'm glad no matter what we face in life, God's got it under control. You listen now as the choir sings. Brother Tim, under control.
giant trial you may face but just when it seems you're standing alone you'll find Jesus standing there in Amen. Choir will do one more for you this morning. I told the choir uh, when I'm in a shower, I sound just like Brother Tim. Amen. I love that song and love to hear him sing it. One more song this morning. And Dr. Godwin sings this one, and I love the words to it. If you're a child of God this morning, you were born to serve the Lord. You listen now as she sings. The choir will back her up. I was born to serve the Lord.
Choir. Thank you, Dr. Gowan. Appreciate her filling in for Miss Renee this morning. Let me give you some quick announcements. Uh, uh, don't forget, if you would, please, all of our uh, things that we've got under Grace Network. I want to say thank you to those donations that have been given. And speaking of thanks, let me extend. I said something Wednesday night. We want to say to the collective church this morning, thank you for the work that you put in for last week's Civil Servant Sunday. It was a great week, a great opportunity for us to uh, thank those in our community uh, for the work that they've done, and I appreciate your endeavors to make that come to pass. Uh, as always, it was a wonderful opportunity for us, and we sure couldn't do it without everyone's help, and we do appreciate it. Let me remind you of our upcoming special services that we'll be having, of course, our Women's Mountain Retreat, August the 24th through the 26th. Uh, uh, keep that in mind, you ladies that are attending. And then, of course, we come back on Saturday and on Sunday. That kicks off our end of summer revival with Brother Heath Williams that morning and the joyful sound singing. And then Monday through Wednesday, we'll have Brother C.T. Townsend preaching. And then uh, Sister Kyla Rowland and Deliverance will be singing. And boy, we're looking forward to that. And then, of course, uh, on Wednesday, September the 6th, uh, that is our beginning of Awanas. The first Sunday in uh, September is also moving up Sunday for uh, Sunday School Anawanas. You keep that in mind. And Tuesday, August the 12th, choir will be singing at New Hope Baptist with Brother Randy Hobbs uh, uh, as the pastor Joe Arthur will be preaching. Then I, I want to call everyone's attention to this. We usually put this in at the beginning of January, uh, but I went ahead and did it again in, uh, in August as well, just as a quick reminder to folks. Uh, we try at SAGBC to make sure we follow the letter of the law with regards to IRS regulations. 
nations. So if you want uh, an end-of-the-year tithing record uh, that uh, indicates how much you've given for tax purposes, please, 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 you got two ways to do that. You can either, number one, use the online system. That is the tithing record that the IRS accepts. Or make sure you use your tithing envelope. If you don't have those, uh, you can see Sister Teresa use the ones in front of you. We don't want to rob you of a blessing. We'll give you a box of envelopes. Amen. So uh, keep that in mind if you would. And also, I know this sounds silly, but uh, it's an important thing that I need to remind you of. The folks in the back could do the money. They are legally not allowed to write in how much is in that envelope. So you have to do it. So if you want to make sure that it gets accounted for, put your name and the amount that you're given, and that becomes your official tithing record. Deacons, I need to meet with you all five minutes right after service this morning. Won't take but just a couple of minutes to go over a couple of important things that, that I need to bring to your attention. All right, uh, all those that are heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, and Nursery, you come on down this morning. Uh, uh, if you're visiting with us, they're going to come around, collect loose change. Come on, kids. Come on, y'all. Come on, come on, come on. Hurry, hurry, hurry. This is the one time you're allowed to run in church. Run, 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 run. Make your way down here. There you go. And uh, they're going to collect any loose change you've got. This is our penny march, and this helps support our ladies' jubilee and our youth programming. Take off, guys. Some of you go on this side this morning. Take off. Children's Church, Junior Church, come on and make your way down this morning. Thank you. 
Ben, thank you so much as always uh, for your gifts. Let me also remind you uh, from our bulletin, if you're not receiving our announcements, uh, our prayer requests that we send out uh, via phone calls whenever they come available to us, please make sure you write your name and whatever number you want us to use, and we'll sure add you to the list. Uh, keep that in mind if you would. And then our instructions for the online tithing platform are in there as well, and we encourage you, if you're interested in that, we'll keep those instructions in there. Fellas, make your way down if you would. Dr. Godwin, if you and Miss Lisa play that same song, I love that song, I've Got a Mansion, just over the hilltop. That's an oldie but a beauty. So let's, uh, let's listen to that. I think they sounded like Floyd Kramer this morning. Amen. And there's about 20 teenagers looking at me who have no idea what I'm even talking about. Let's ask God's blessings on the offering. Father, may you bless the offering today. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to worship the Lord today. It is our privilege to be in your house. And God, I pray that you'd bless the offering. May it be exactly what you'd have it to be. We'll thank you. We'll praise you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together one more time for a fellowship song, hymn number 66 this morning. At Calvary, we'll sing the first verse and chorus, have a time of fellowship, hymn number 66 today. Years I spent in vanity and pride, bearing up my Lord was
Thank you so much, ladies. Appreciate your uh, playing for us this morning. As you make your way back to your seat, we always say if somebody didn't shake your hand or hug your necks because you ran away from them here this morning, amen. Hugging, that's right, on purpose. <laughs> While you're returning to your seat, let me give you a couple more prayer requests. Pray, if you would, please, for Brother Bolin, Sister Kitzmiller's father. Of course, members here of our church, Brother Bolin, he's in the hospital, Martinsville, with pneumonia, uh, room 423. Just found out about that. Pray for that, if you would. Sister Helen King had an aunt that passed away this weekend, so remember that family as well. Two places I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning. 1 Kings chapter 17, and then the book of James chapter 5. 1 Kings 17 and James chapter number 5. 1 Kings 17 and James chapter number 5. I was having lunch a few weeks ago with a preacher friend of mine. During our lunch conversation, we discussed the fact that Many of the individuals that God used in the Old Testament would have likely never been allowed even to preach in churches today. We have preachers on such a pedestal of expectations. You're going to see this morning Elijah was one of those individuals who failed to meet preacher expectations. In fact, uh, Elijah was a rough man. I'll share that with you a little bit this morning. In all likelihood, he's someone who would not be allowed to stand in too many Baptist pulpits. But what he said was certainly transformative. And when you look at the study and the juxtaposition of Elijah and Elisha, it's a fascinating study. We'll look at that a little bit over the next few weeks. But this morning, I want to focus just on Elijah, a message that I've entitled, A Man of Courage. A Man of Courage. We'll read just a few verses. We'll start in... 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 1. Keep your little bookmarker there. We'll flip to that, and then we'll also go to James chapter number 5. Let's notice what it says in 1 Kings 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Keep your bookmarker there. Flip with me, if you would, please, over to James, chapter number 5. We'll read verses 17 and 18, For James is also referencing Elijah. You see the name spelled differently. That's the English translation of the, he- of the Greek name that's translated from the Hebrew but it's still the man Elijah. Notice chapter 5, verse 17. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again. Heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Let's pray together. Father, we are again so thankful to be in your house today. We don't take for granted the fact that we've got a church, doors of which are open, got a congregation come eager to hear about the things of God. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us now as we open up the word of God. And Lord, pronounce what we believe you've laid upon our hearts today. Lord, it's my earnest desire God, if somebody's here today and they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, 
the Spirit of God would do the convicting work that only the Spirit of God can do, that you draw that person or those people, Lord, unto yourselves today through the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, for all of us, Lord, it's my desire that at the end of this message today, we would walk out of here, not just being hearers, but doers of the word. And Lord, have this Christian courage that is so predominantly displayed by this man, Elijah. Lord, we recognize that to be a Christian today is challenging. We understand, God, as our teenagers have gone back to public school, that many of them are having to operate in environments which are not productive for the Christian faith. Lord, we recognize that many of our folks who work public jobs work in environments that are not productive for the Christian faith. Yet we also know, Lord, that darkness can only be driven out by light. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to be the lights in those situations, driving out the darkness of sin and the world around us. Lord, we'll thank you. We'll praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Read a wonderful little story this week. A couple uh, was sitting in church as the preacher talked about witnessing to your neighbors. They began to get convicted over the fact that they had failed to witness to the new neighbors who had just moved in some four months prior. Had not met them, hadn't had them over, had simply looked at them in passing, waved a hand, thought they were a little bit unusual, but became convicted over the fact they'd never had a meal or invited them over. As they were leaving, the wife turned to the husband and said, I'm going to call our new neighbors, and on Friday, we're going to have them over for dinner, and we're going to tell them about the Lord and witness to them about the blood of Jesus. Wanting to impress the neighbors over their spirituality, the neighbors came in, they greeted them in the name of the Lord, thanked them for coming, sat down for a meal. Wanting to show off at how spiritual they were, they looked at little five-year-old Johnny, their son, and said, Johnny, would you lead us in grace before the meal? Johnny looked up and said, but I don't know what to say. Mortified, the mama said, Johnny, just pray like we always do. The little Johnny looked up and said, but mama, I don't know what to say. Finally, mama said, Johnny, just pray like your daddy prayed at breakfast this morning. Suddenly, Johnny bowed his head and said, oh, God, why are these crazy people coming to our house tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And all God's people said, <laughs> oh, me. I, um, I, <laughs> if you've ever had children, you know they are the most mortifying things God ever created. <laughs> I, ca I, I have a whole list of times where publicly my children embarrass me. So any opportunity I have to return the favor is a good day. Amen. <laughs> The book of Elijah, or excuse me, the character of, there is no book of Elijah in your Bible. The character of Elijah is a fascinating study, especially when he's juxtaposed with his student, Elisha. And in fact, over the next few weeks, we've got some sermons planned where we will talk about some of the miracles of Elijah, some of the miracles of Elisha, and in fact, the miracles of Elisha, there are many more of those than there are of the man Elijah. But regrettably, most of us preachers spend more time preaching about Elijah than we do Elisha. One of the things that I find fascinating is just how different these two men were. In fact, we'll share a little bit of this with you this morning. But when you look at the character Elijah, he was rough. I mean, I, I think by all definitions, 
he walked into church today, folks would look at him like he was a little bit unusual, and he fits what I think is the personification of just a good old boy redneck. Elisha, on the other hand, was smooth as silk. He was educated. He starts a school of prophets. There's some dignity about him, yet God used both of these men for his kingdom. It's a reminder to us that the greatest ability God's looking for is that ability we call availability. And I'm going to share with you this morning that God used Elijah because he was a person, he was a man of great courage. Before I get into the message, I want to pause just a moment and define what I think courage is. Courage is not being foolish. Courage is not being crazy. In fact, we saw yesterday in Charlottesville uh, uh, the very definition of what courage is not. And I want to submit to you this morning that that wasn't courage. That was foolishness and very clearly display the depravity of man and how much we all are in need of a Savior because we are all, all wicked people. But you're going to see this morning that Elijah had some courage about him, willing to stand up in the face of opposition, willing to hold firm and fast to the cause of God, even in spite of the circumstances in which he was forced to live. This is laid upon my heart today because of the, the conversation I had with a preacher friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, but also because of the reality that many of our public school kids are back in school, at least those of you in Virginia. I know Carolina's got a few more days off, but those of you who are in Virginia, you're back in school. Folks will be going back to college. Uh, we'll recognize Logan at the end of service today. He'll be heading off to college for the first time. We always like to do that as our kids leave for the first time. And in reality, each of these folks, as they, as they, as they head off to school, uh, will oftentimes be operating in an environment that is not God-centered. Would you listen to me carefully? Please listen, moms and dads. Please listen, teenagers. Please listen, young adults. You can be godly wherever you are. You don't have to wait till you get into a better environment, a better group of friends. You can be the light in the darkness if there is no other light around you. And I submit to you that darkness doesn't drive out darkness. It is only light that drives out darkness. So if you're in a circumstance, situation, or an environment where there seems to be no light, you be the light. But listen, it takes courage to make that happen. It takes courage to make that happen. So I want to give you four quick things this morning regarding this man, Elijah, in a message that I've entitled, A Man of Courage. I want you to note with me, number one, that Elijah was very much a common man. And I say that term respectfully and respectably because on the surface, there was nothing that was extraordinary or unusual about Elijah. If you'll go back into 1 Kings chapter 17, verse number 1, it very plainly tells us that Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. You, those of you who've been in our church for any length of time, you know that the names of cities and towns in the Bible oftentimes have meaning. So when you look at verse number 1, we get a clear description of Elijah's home. And I don't think it was a surprise that he's from a place called Tishba in the region of Gilead, and the word Tishba literally means rugged or raw. 
In fact, when you look at the methods of Elijah, when you look at the message of Elijah, when you look at the mannerisms of Elijah, you very quickly see that that description aptly describes Elijah. He was rough. uh, He was raw. uh, He was a bit of a redneck. uh, He was somebody who was not politically correct. uh, He was somebody who did not think before he spoke. uh, He spoke and then he thought. uh, How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Some of you nodding your heads. uh, Elijah was not a very classy person uh, as we would think of. And in fact, uh, if he were to be in a group of people, he would undoubtedly offend in his manner of conversation, perhaps in his mannerisms. Uh, He is not someone we would think of as eloquent. He is someone that we would think of as blunt, uh, to the point, uh, and unpolitically correct. But God used him. God used him. You see, what I want you to understand, folks, uh, is that God can use someone who is as smooth as silk, or he can use someone who is as rough as sandpaper. God made us who we are. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, and he does not expect us to become someone different in order for him to use us. Now, don't misunderstand me. God changes people. He transforms them. He transforms them into the image of his son. You understand that. You recognize the fact that we are a new creature. But may I say to you, in order for God to use you, he wants to use you, not an imitation of you, or not you trying to imitate someone else. His home. But I also want you to notice his humanity. His humanity. You don't have to flip back over to James, but I'm reminded that James says that Elijah was a man just like us. In fact, if I can give you the exact words, uh, he says in verse 17 uh, that, that he was a man subject to like passions. Subject to like passions. And again, you read and you study the man Elijah, and you will see that he had a fiery temper. He is somebody that could fly off the handle pretty quickly. And then juxtapose that with the fact uh, that he also, by all accounts, suffered from what we understand today are pretty severe bouts of depression. In fact, you read the book uh, that Elijah talks about here in 1 Kings. You read the stories of Elijah, and you will find that he goes from mountaintop highs to devastatingly low lows. He goes from victories on top of Mount Carmel to asking God to kill him because he's being chased by the queen Jezebel. I think today, I don't want to be a pop psychologist, but I think today, if Elijah were alive today, he would probably be diagnosed as bipolar, someone who is extremely high and someone who is extremely low. I submit to you again that this is someone who, were he alive today, most churches wouldn't have him for a pastor. Most folks would not want him to be their spiritual leader because he was so quick to speak, because he did suffer from these very traumatic psychological conditions. But I also want to remind you folks that some of the greatest preachers who've ever stood in the pulpit suffer from psychological trauma. Charles Spurgeon is someone that virtually every preacher boy reads about and reads after, and his depression at times was so severe that his deacons and other church members had to actually help him get to the pulpit. Dr. Johnny Pope has shared that I can share this. He's told me to my face that I can share this. Were it not for antidepressants, Johnny Pope says he'd never get out of the bed every morning. Years ago, I had the opportunity to preach to a a, a, a group of young preachers, uh, a group of young men who are in the ministry. 
And I remember uh, standing before them and giving them what I thought was some very sound advice. And that is you're never allowed to have a bad day when you're in the ministry. You're never allowed to take the pulpit and be in a bad mood. You always have to be on. You always have to recognize that eyes are on you. And you always have to be happy and in a good mood when you take the pulpit. Only 10 years later do I realize that's an impossibility. Only 10 years later do I recognize that all of us have bad days. And all of us get in bad moods, and all of us have difficult circumstances. But would you listen to me? God can use us anyway. His home, his humanity. Elijah was a common man, just like us, James says. But not only was he a common man, Elijah was also a courageous man. Elijah was also a courageous man. He did some things that most people, including most preachers, wouldn't do. He did some things that I think stand out as examples for us today that most simply would never do. I'm going to give you two of them very quickly. First of all, he defied a very foolish ruler. And to make it worse, he defied his wife as well. You know, it was bad when he had to stand up to Ahab Honey, you look at me. Ahab won't nothing compared to Jezebel. Ahab was bad. Jezebel was wicked. Elijah is willing to stand up to this foolish ruler. You see, when you study the history, you begin to understand that when Ahab married Jezebel, between the two of them, and especially because of Jezebel, uh, the worship of Baal uh, was brought further into the kingdom of God, uh, and the worship of Baal began to explode under their leadership. Uh, they, they, the folks followed them, uh, and they began to lose all respect for the God of Jehovah, and, and, and as Elijah began to look around, uh, he realized uh, that the real issue here wasn't just the people, uh, but the real issue here was the fact that the king and his wicked queen uh, we're introducing this garbage uh, into the people of God. So he did what almost no one else would do. He stood up to Ahab. In fact, if you go back to 1 Kings 17, look at verse number 1 once again. Notice what it says. Elijah the Tishbite was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. Said unto Ahab. How many of you understand, it's easy to say something uh, when you're speaking to people who are all on your side. It's easy uh, to say something that's controversial uh, and difficult to say when you're surrounded by those who agree with you. But when you are willing to say, thus saith the Lord, uh, to somebody who can end your life uh, if he so desires, uh, that puts things in a different perspective. Uh, and I'm just going to be blood, folks. Uh, King Ahab was shaking in his shoes, I believe, as Elijah stood up to the wicked king. This idea today, please listen carefully to what I'm about to say. This idea today, the preachers have to remain silent regarding the wickedness of the political spectrum. That's a bunch of hogwash. You go back and you trace history, you will see that preachers have always stood up and denounced wickedness, whether it be in the presidents, the Supreme Court, the House of Legislation, or in the church. It is our duty to say, this is right and this is wrong. And Ahab simply sat there 
as this man with guts, Elijah, stepped up and said, this is not right. Defied a wicked, foolish ruler. But he also denounced a false religion. He denounced a false religion. Looking at that same verse, Elijah wasn't a man of many words. He was a man of few words, but boy, the words he said packed a punch. Notice what he says. As the Lord God of Israel liveth. As the Lord God of Israel liveth. Let me remind you, church, class, who was the God that Ahab worshipped? The God was Baal. Well, you need to know something. Baal was the God of fertility. Baal was believed to be in the rain and the thunderheads. He was responsible for the rain. I, I won't go into details with you, uh, but because we've still got some relatively youngsters in here, but you listen, uh, the worship of Baal uh, and his wife, uh, Ashtaroth, uh, was absolutely disgusting. And so, so Elijah was very much standing up to the plate and saying, Hey, Ahab, you serve uh, Baal. But I'm here to tell you uh, that the Lord God Jehovah is alive and well, and that's who I serve. I want to submit to you this morning that we need some courage today to remind ourselves that we serve a living God. We serve a God who is very much alive and well. In fact, uh, again, I shared this morning in my Sunday school, but I'll repeat it again today. The reason that we worship on Sundays instead of Saturdays is because we are commemorating the fact that Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday. So every time you get up on a Sunday morning, you put your Sunday clothes on, and you grab your Bible, and you grab your family, you are saying, hey, me and my family, we believe that Jesus is alive, and we're going to worship him today on a Sunday morning. Have some courage, folks. To remind ourselves that the God we serve is not a dead God, but he's alive and well. Elijah was a common man, a courageous man. I want you to note, thirdly, Elijah was a committed man. A committed man. I submit to you this morning that with his attitude and his demeanor, he was very much committed to the cause of which he was passionate. What does that mean? I want you to notice his designation, his name. Again, names mean something in the Bible. The word Elijah comes from two words, Eli, Jah. The word Eli literally means my God. Jah is Jehovah. So when, when he would say, my name is Elijah, his name literally means my God is Jehovah. Eli, my God Jehovah, you put them together, it means my God is Jehovah. That was the name given to him. But would you amen? It is also begins to characterize him. It's not just the name by which he was called. It's the name by which he lived. So may I say to you this morning, you may not be given that kind of name, but if you were a born-again Christian this morning, you inhabit that kind of name. Let me explain. We had this conversation with our teenagers again uh, as we went up the mountain uh, on the teen conference. They began to pepper me with these questions, and this was one of them. 
What's the difference between our belief system, our faith, and the many other faiths that they begin to name? Let me give you a quick English lesson. Some of you have heard this before, but it's an important one to understand. The suffix I-S-T, as in Buddhist, means follower of. The suffix E-M, as in Muslim, means follower of. Someone says they are a Buddhist, that means they are a follower of Buddha. When someone says they're a Muslim, that means follower of Muhammad. May I submit to you that the suffix I-A-N, as in Christian, does not mean follower of. It means dwelling within. How do you know, preacher? How many of you live in Virginia? Raise your hand. You are a Virginian. You live in Virginia. How many of you uh, live in North Carolina? Raise your hand. We got three or four that need to be saved. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you live in Carolina, you are a Carolinian because you live in, you dwell inside of that territory, that state. May I say to you, when you say that you are a Christian, you're not saying that you're a follower of Christ. You're saying you live in Christ. And more importantly, that Christ lives in you. So I want you to understand this morning that people who say they are a Christian, they are following the teachings of Christ, do not understand what it means to be a Christian. Christian doesn't mean following. It means dwelling in, living. So you may say, I don't have a name that it means anything like Elijah does. Oh, I beg to differ. You've got the name Christian. And honey, when you say that you're a Christian, it means you are something. It means you are somebody that you are living in Christ. And more importantly, Christ is living in you. And when you begin to realize that, I hope you'll understand that it changes what you do, where you go, who you're with, what you say, how you act. Because when you live in Christ, I think there are sometimes we think that Christ would be happy or unhappy with this. And I submit if he's unhappy, then we have made him unhappy because of us. Notice the second thing. Not only do you see his designation, but I want you to notice his devotion. Boy, this is important. Look at that same verse, chapter 17, verse 1. This is critical. He says, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, and I love this, before whom I stand. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Stop the train. I thought Elijah was standing before Ahab. And he says here, the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand. Has Elijah just lost his mind? Does he not understand who he's standing in front of? No, I think Elijah understands well who he's standing in front of. But he also understands well that though he's standing before Abab, he's representing God. Though he's standing in front of Ahab, he's representing God. You see, when we use that phrase to stand before something, there are two ways to think about it. Think with me for just a second. If I am here standing before Corbin, then by all accounts, Corbin can see everything I say. Corbin can see everything I do. Corbin can see everything about me. Why? Because I'm standing before him. But do you also understand that there is an aspect of standing before someone that means you are representing something? Oftentimes, uh, I go to meetings, and I'm standing there for Patrick Henry Community College. What does that mean? It means I'm representing 
Patrick Henry Community College. Do you understand this morning that when Elijah said, I know that you're seated on the throne, King Ahab, but I'm here standing before God, I believe literally what he's saying is I'm here representing God. God can see everything I say. God can see everything I do. He sees the actions that I take, and I'm going to make darn tootin' sure that what I do say and the actions I take please God. Listen carefully, folks. Better to please God and disappoint man than to please man and disappoint God. Notice, Elijah, common man, courageous man, committed man. Finally, Elijah was a confident man. I want to take just a moment and make you understand the circumstances in which Elijah had to operate. I think sometimes we forget about the fact that these people that we read about in the Bible, as James plainly said, they're just like us. People with like passions, problems, issues, concerns. Elijah, I've already told you, suffered from what was probably bipolar depression, extreme highs and extreme lows. Literally, in 24 hours, he goes from a mountaintop experience uh, to 24 hours later, he asks, he's asking God to take his life. But I want you to understand that even in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the wickedness of the kingdom, in spite of the fact that he thinks that he's the only one who's serving God, serves him anyway. God had to remind Elijah, Elijah, you ain't the only one. I got a whole bunch of people hadn't bowed the knee to Baal yet, bucko. But at that moment, Elijah believes he's the only one faithful. What does that mean? Even when he thinks he's by himself, listen, stands anyway. I know, beyond any shadow of a doubt, I know there are some public school teenagers here today. You feel like at times you are the only one trying to serve God. Look at me, serve him anyway. I know there are some young adults who in the place of your employment, you feel like you are the only one trying to serve God. Look at me. Serve him anyway. There are some senior adults who in your job, in your life, in your family, in your situation, in your environment, you might feel like you are the only one trying to serve God. Serve him anyway. Let me let you in on a news flash. You'll never get to the point in your life where it's easy to serve God. The devil will do everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen. But when you're by yourself, uh, when you feel like you're alone, when you feel like no one else is willing, uh, when you feel like that nobody else around you serves God, hey, look at me, serve him anyway. And I can almost promise you, just like God did for Elijah, he will reveal there's a whole bunch of folks haven't bowed the knee to the enemy. Maybe, just maybe, they're waiting for somebody to be the light they get attracted to. Have you ever noticed that when it's extremely dark, it only takes a little flicker to light up? And suddenly that little flame is enough for you to take one step and another step. Listen to me, church. Teenagers, young adults, you be the light 
Because wherever it is that you go, if you're the light, I can just about promise you there'll be others whose flame will get ignited because they see your light. We sing that little children's song, hide it under a bush, oh no, I'm going to let it shine. But I'm afraid far too often we keep it hid under a bush, afraid to let it shine. I want you to notice with me, I'm nearly done. Notice in our text this morning that he was confident in the person of God. I've already shared with you, he says, as the Lord God of liveth, he knows that, that God's alive. He's not worried about God being dead. But I want to show you the faith that Elijah had. Last place you'll turn, back to James and we're done. Chapter 5, verse 17, again. Elijah, a man of like passions. Notice he says, he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Wow. 42 months, not a drop. You know what blows my mind about this? I don't ever see, and maybe it's just because the Lord doesn't choose to reveal it to us, but I don't ever see where God told Elijah to pray this prayer. I don't ever see where God said to Elijah, Hey, Elijah, I want you to prove to Ahab that I'm really stronger than Baal. So you tell him I said that you're going to pray and it ain't going to rain. I don't see that. Maybe this was Elijah's idea. Stands up to the king and he says, Hey, buddy, I'm going to pray. When I'm done praying, you better look out. Because God, who is stronger than your Baal, is not going to let it rain until I pray again. Dear Father in heaven, begins to pray. Twelve months later, no rain. Twenty-four months later, no rain. Thirty-six months later, no rain. Thirty-eight, thirty-nine, four, forty-one, forty-two. A drop. And I just stop a moment. We just shut down for 30 seconds and declare recess. May I say that Elijah had some serious faith. Amen. Elijah didn't blink. He didn't question. He didn't wonder. He didn't think. He said, hey, Ahab, I'm going to pray. And when I get done praying, you better hook up the water hose, big guy, because it ain't going to rain. It didn't rain until Elijah prayed again. And when Elijah prayed again, heavens opened up. The ground began to fill the rain, not from Baal, but from God. Faith he had. Not just faith in him. In fact, would you amen me? It had nothing to do with Elijah, everything to do with God. Elijah had experienced the power of God enough to know, I got this. And the entire Israelite army of believers. You would number, but powerful in faith, begin to grow in confidence because of the faith of Elijah. 
I want to close this morning by saying one more time. Might feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm going to beat it anyway. Teenagers, be the Elijah at your public school. Young adults, be the Elijah at your college, your place of work. Moms and dads, be the Elijah at your home. Be the Elijah at where you work. Be someone who's not ashamed to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ, and I'm going to live my life accordingly because I've got power. I've got faith in the power of God. Be the Elijah. I believe there's a whole bunch of believers who are waiting for somebody to lift that light on so that they can get drawn to the power of that flame. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Brother Ken, come get us a song to sing. Nobody's looking. I want to ask you just two quick questions now. I appreciate your time this morning. I appreciate your patience as you listened so intently. But now nobody's looking. Do me that favor. Now, I want you to be honest this morning with an upraised hand and just be, be, be real. Nobody's looking now. Just be real. Say, Pastor Greg, I need to be more like that. I recognize that my light's not shining the way it should. I need to turn that flicker of flame up just a little bit higher like Elijah. Can I see your hands this morning? Boy, my goodness, I'm seeing an awful lot of hands. I'm seeing folks already move. Let me, let, let me just say to you right now that have your hand up, before Ken sings the first word of this song, how about you stepping out? There are folks moving everywhere, so don't worry about who's looking at you. If you raised your hand and you're honestly saying, I need to be more like that, I need to turn that flicker of flame up just a little bit higher for the cause of my God and my Christ, why don't you step out right now? To come right now. Maybe you're a teenager my school, I need to turn that flame a little bit higher. Young adult, a mom or a dad, I need to turn that flicker up just a little bit higher. There's a lot of folks moving this morning. Let me ask you a second question. With an upraised hand, is there anyone that would just be honest and say, Pastor, I'm not even a believer. I can't turn the flame up because I've never been saved. I desire your prayers this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you right here. Preacher, pray for me. I'm not a Christian. Pray for me. I'm not a believer. Anyone like that this morning? I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to ask God to bless the invitation. And Brother Ken's going to sing one verse. Every person that raised your hand, I, I, I want to implore you to step out right now. Don't wait for somebody else. Father, thank you for the time this morning. Thank you for the response of the people. Lord, help us to be more like Elijah, to have courage to stand up boldly to say what we believe. Bless the invitation. Brother Ken, sing us one verse now. Would you come this morning? Would you come?
Where's Nathan this morning? I think I said Logan earlier. Where's Nathan? Where is he this morning? Where'd he go? Logan. Oh, God. I can't keep these kids' names here. Where are you, buddy? Come down here, man. I want everybody to come around and shake your hand, hug your neck this morning. Dr. Godwin, I'm going to just ask you to play for us. Love this young man. He's heading off to college this week. We always like to hug their necks and let them know we love them. Going to be praying for him. He's heading off to App State, Appalachian State in Boone. So I want you to come around and let him know you love him. And go, oh, we got another one. Amen. Are you heading off this week too, Sunshine? Will you come on up? She's going to be a marine biologist. Woohoo! Somebody in that family's got to make some money. Amen. Ain't that right, Brother Terry? Amen. All right, come on around and shake both of these kids. I didn't realize you were leaving this week. Anybody else? We do this on the first time that they leave. Anybody else? I want you to come, come around and hug these kids' necks. Let them know you love them. Let them know you're praying for them. Father, thank you for the time this morning. Lord, I pray your blessings upon these young folks uh, who for the first time are heading off to college. Lord, I pray that you bless them on their journey. Lord, help them to be the light where they're going to be. Lord, I pray that you would ignite the flame of their passion. Lord, for the cause of Christ, we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Christ's name, amen. Deacons, don't forget I need to see you for five minutes. Deacons, five minutes in my office.